Psalms 118, verse 17, reads as follows, and I'm reading the New King James Version, the NIV, and the Contemporary, or rather the Common Jewish Bible. I shall not die but live. <laughs> tell that to your neighbor. T tell you, tell, tell, tell the other person, tell the other person. Yeah. I like that person who said hello this side, who said hallelujah this side. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. I'm, 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 I'm speaking under the title simply called Declare. <laughs> In the NIV it reads, I will not die but live. I will proclaim what the Lord has done. Common Jewish Bible says, the complete Jewish Bible reads, I will not die. No. I will live and proclaim the great deeds of Yah. You know, the book of Psalms is divided into different themes because these Psalms were used to worship and pray in the temple even today are still used. And they carry different themes. This particular psalm that we're reading is actually a hymn of thanksgiving for deliverance from the enemies. Even though it was sung at other celebrations of Israel, but the portion that we've just read, we're focusing on it. King David offered a song of thanksgiving for deliverance and victory in battle. David says, in battle I didn't die, <laughs> but I live. Evidently, he had thought that he would die most probably when he went into battle. He had felt that there was imminent danger of dying. Therefore, he describes the feeling which he had when he saw that he was in danger. His enemies were thick around him. His enemies were seeking for his life. But then he had the assurance that he would be victorious. And that regardless of what surrounds him, he will accomplish his object. Only because he was protected. And he said, I will live and not die. And I will live to declare what God has done for me. David says, I will declare. Somebody say, I will declare. In short, I will tell the world. I'll not be quiet about it. I will tell the world. And I will say it out of my mouth. I will not just keep it out of my heart. I'll give expression to it through my lips. I'll say what God has done. I won't be quiet about it. Because when you look at me, I'm a salmon on two feet. I'm a miracle that is walking around. I wasn't supposed to be here today. I'll tell you the good story of what God has done. I will declare. I will use my tongue to talk about God. I will use my words to say what God has done. I'll not be quiet and please don't try to make me quiet. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be quiet. I will declare. Somebody say, I will declare. Tell three people, I will declare. Tell them, three people. Now, it's important for us that we learn to declare the words of God over our lives. We need to learn to speak the right words of God over our lives. That word declare in Hebrew Literally means to show forth, to speak, to talk, or to tell out, even to be a writer. So when it says I'll declare, it means say 
about you. What God says about you. Many of us, we are caught in a trap where we say all kinds of things about ourselves, but they don't match what God says about us. Somebody said, but what if, what if it has not been a reality yet? Well, as I'm going to show you, God says, believe it with your heart, say it with your mouth, and it is the saying that makes it to come. It is the saying that brings you into possession. Somebody say, I will declare. The World Book's Dictionary defines the word declare as follows. Number one, to announce publicly or formally. It means, number two, to make known, to say, to proclaim. So in other words, I will say, I will not be quiet. I will proclaim. Second definition, the word proclaim, declare rather means to say openly and strongly or to affirm. We need to affirm, proclaim, declare what God says about us. Let's say what God says about us and not say what circumstances say about us. Let's say what God says about us and not what our uncle says about us. Let's say what God says about us and not what our background says about us. Why? Because our declaration becomes our destiny. In fact, if you were to look around in your life, you were right all the time. You are, you are what you said you will be. Many people say, God never does anything great in my life. Yeah, you're right. That's why he's not doing anything great, because that's what you said. Somebody said, Kisiklek. Yeah, you're right. You remain Kisiklek, because that's what you say in your life. Somebody say, I always lose a job after two months after I get it. You're right. You'll always lose a job, because that's what you say. Why don't you say what God says about you? When he says that you are favored. When God says they will look in your direction. Why don't you say that about you? Yeah, but it hasn't happened yet. Well, it only happens when you say it. It is the saying that causes it to come. Tell three people, I will declare, I will declare, I will declare. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, you can speak death to your life or you can speak life to your life. Listen to what you say about you, what you say about your children, what you say about your country, what you say about your neighborhood, what you say about your job. David says, nah, I will declare what God does. I will say what God does. It struck me so much this morning when I was listening to a sermon along these lines by Charles Kepps. It never occurred to me, you know. In Mark 11, when Jesus went to the fig tree that didn't have fruit on it, the Bible says he cursed it. Now, I don't know why it never occurred to me. I don't know why it never occurred to me. Now, and, 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 and first of all, the Bible says he cursed it and said to it. So you release curses through words. He cursed it and said to it. He cursed it and said to it. Okay, let's have it. Mark 11. So Jesus comes into this area. He saw a fig tree afar off, having leaves. When he came, he thought he would find anything thereon. But when he came to it, he found nothing on it but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. Next verse. And Jesus answered and said to it. So he spoke to the tree. The same way now, when you are frustrated, you say things about you. Why are you trying to look innocent this side? You know, when we are frustrated, we say, What's that? Yeah. He said to it, No man eat fruit of the hereafter forever. And his disciples hated it. Just to make sure he didn't whisper. Just to make sure he wasn't thinking aloud. The Bible says his disciples heard it. Alright. So let's go back to the other verse. Just keep going. So Jesus 
He went to Jerusalem, went into the temple, cast them out of the temple, overthrew the tables, all of that, next verse. And he didn't want anybody to carry any vessel through the temple. Next verse. Sorry, I'm, I'm rushing. Then he starts teaching them, my house shall be a house of prayer. Verse 18. The scribes of the Pharisees were not, they wanted to destroy him, but they were afraid of him because people were like his preaching. Next verse. So evening came, he went out of the city. So it means from the time Jesus had spoken to the tree, there was a lapse. That's what I'm trying to drive at. So he spoke to it. We don't know what time it was. He spoke to it. So it was in the evening and he went out of the city. Now note verse 20. In the morning. Somebody say in the morning. Look at the neighbor say, neighbor, you look like you're not in the morning. In the morning. <laughs> Means the following day. So we don't know how much time has lapsed, but we know that there was some time that had lapsed. Watch this now. Between what he said and this particular time. In the morning. As they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Verse 21. Peter called to remembrance. He said to him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed. So Peter was shocked. Evidently, when Jesus spoke to the tree the day before, there was no visible change. Otherwise, Peter would have said the same thing the day before. So it's quite obvious that when Jesus spoke to the tree, there was nothing that changed. In the same way when you said you are a fool. In the same way when you said, they didn't bow kuba the following day. But in the morning. So there's a lapse of time between what Jesus said and the manifestation of what he said. Behold the fixture which you cursed. Cursed, cursed, it occurred to me. A curse is negative words. It's not only hope on you. It's negative words that don't line up with God concerning your life. So many of us, we are cursing ourselves. We are cursing your children. You're cursing them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when you say it, there's no visible difference. But as Bahula, Yeah. One of the things I've learned in as leading the church is that even if things are very difficult in our church, because we've gone through many, many difficult times, in those times when things are really hard, I watch what I say. Yeah. Because I know that the saying empowers the process. The declaration becomes the destiny. Yeah. I would rather be quiet than say something that curses the church. I'm not going to curse the church. I won't curse the members. I will not curse my children. I will not curse my wife. I will not curse me. I will declare. I will declare the goodness of God. Yeah. So it says, death and life, thank you for that verse, are in the power of the tongue. You can open up your life to demonic attack through your words. Yeah. In fact, when you read the book of Job, that's exactly what Job did. You know, when I read it a few years ago, it struck me. Because when you read the book of Job, Satan went to heaven to complain that God had built a hedge around Job. He says, you've built a hedge around him. You've protected everything that he said. Mara, when, you, when Job lost everything, he let the cat out of the bag. Because when he lost everything, he says, the thing that I have greatly feared has come upon me. So in other words, even if Job was praying every day, he was full of fear. Hey, I mustn't lose this thing. And there is no way of having fear in your heart without verbalizing it. On this side, God has built a hedge around him. On the other side, Job is tearing that hedge through his words. 
Yeah. That is why when Satan came to God and said, you've protected Job, take away everything he has. God looked at Satan and said, everything Job has is in your hands. Why is it in your hands? Through his words. He took what God had given him, put a curse on it into the hands of Satan. That's why Satan could come into his life. That's why when you read the book of Job later on, he apologized to God for his foolish mouth. He says, God, I'm sorry, my mouth was foolish. Yeah? Yeah? Discipline yourself to say what God says about you. Even if you don't feel like it. Even if you don't look like it. Yeah. By God's grace, I learned this in 1979. I was telling them in the first service. But I practiced it more in 1982. Saying things. I would, in the morning when I prayed, I would speak about my destiny. 1982, I didn't know where I'm going to lead a church. I didn't have any, I didn't know what's going to happen. All I knew was God has called me, like you who are between jobs. Huh? I can see she's between jobs. That, that's why she's laughing. Bro, Ramona, she's between jobs. Or you've just graduated, you are hanging. And you're saying, you're not graduates, never, we will never be hired. We will never, and you're wondering, some of your friends, even in the midst of that, are being hired. Marawena, Bahofit, Owobine, Sim Piti, Wena, Yara. I realized 1981, it's all right. You, you can say I'm crazy. But that's what I said. 1982, I was 21 years old. Yeah. And every time I look back to those things, and I realize everything that I had declared has happened. No, it's not because I said it. No, no, no. I said over me what God says about me. Yeah. Even if it wasn't my reality. I used to commute by train. I used to wear clothes that were given. There was a certain jacket that one of the guys from America gave me. It's a beautiful double-breasted jacket. But I didn't realize it was 100% wool before you say, come on, my friend. It was 100% wool. It was just beautiful. And summertime, I couldn't understand why I was the only one who's sweating. And everybody was okay. And then I realized later, this thing is 100% wool in America. When they do something on wool, it's cold there. It's very hot. I used to wear borrowed clothes. I used to go to work and I used to buy Melrose cheese, small one like this. Brown bread with peanut butter. I, would, I bought peanut butter, I'd apply peanut butter on my brown bread, take Melrose cheese and eat that with milk or drink with tea. That's all. When other people were buying humbugas, that's a hamburger by the way. And they were going to the shop. I didn't have money because my budget was so tight that one small error I used to commit by train. I used to buy a monthly ticket. I used to guard that ticket with my life. Because that's all I had. Yeah? If it got lost, I didn't have any extra anything. I'm just telling you where we come from. I'm telling you where we come from. Where you, where you have a shoestring budget. Shoestring. I couldn't buy clothes. I couldn't do it. Here's my sister. She'll tell you. I tried my best. At least I tried to pay my own fees because my dad had paid my fees for so long. And I said, no, you can't continue paying for my fees. So when I, and then I would give boarding and lodging at home. Thank God for our parents. They didn't want a lot of money, whatever. They just said, son, it's in the spirit of it. I don't even remember how much I gave them, Chris, whatever. But I gave, and I was faithful, and I would tithe faithfully. After I was done, I was, I'm telling you, after I was done, I think I used to be left with 10 rents. After my tithe, just 10 rents. So I take that 10 rents and break it into offerings. Two rents 50 a week. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But I walked that floor. I said, God, you'll guide me and lead me one day. I walked that floor. My God shall supply all my needs. 
according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I didn't blame anybody for my condition. I didn't hope for some human Messiah to come and rescue me. I looked up to God and declared. Yeah. Yeah. Our church, there's a time when we didn't have men in our church. It was only women. And I remember walking there for praying, God, we will have men fellowship in this church one day. We will have men come in this church. Look at your neighbor who has never slept ever with since we started and say, That's why it's not working for you. Oh, yeah. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The CJB said, The tongue has power over life and death. Those who indulge it must eat its fruit. Whatever fruit. Whatever fruit that you bring. The, the Message Bible says, words kill. Words give life. They are either poison or fruit. You choose. Yeah. Yeah. I've chosen, Barcelona. I've chosen. Even when things are very hard in my life, we go through many times, many seasons. Even in times of sickness, I've chosen. Even when I went to surgery several years ago, I went to two surgeries. I chose to speak God's word. In spite of what the doctors were saying. Because I know death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is not positive thinking. This is not just wishful thinking. I'm saying what God says about you, what God says about me, is bigger than what anybody else says about us. Somebody say declare. Tell three people again, declare, declare, declare. So when the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue, the tongue in this instance refers to our words. Words are important, Barcelona. After all, when we read Genesis chapter 1, we note how God used words to create the universe. You see, words are like seeds that we plant. And whatever we say consistently over our lives, believing it in our hearts, will grow, germinate, and bring forth fruits which are consistent with the words that we spoke. That's why Batmarakili Blelets. Yeah, you empowered it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have still worked on the other hand. You could have still said, they will not retrench me in this company. You could have said that. You could have said that. That even if God fell like higher, they are never lucky. Now God goes before me. Yeah, I am blessed. Yeah. Whatever words we speak, plant things. Now, this is research, Bazalan. This is what research shows. Do you have any idea how many words you use in the course of one day? Did you know that? Do you know how many words you use? Let me tell you. Researchers tell us that each person here will open their mouth an average of 700 times in one day. Mm. 700 times. Now by the end of today, it will be much more than 700. <laughs> and in those 700 times that we open our mouth, we will use an average of 18,000 words per day. 18,000 words. Let me quantify that to compare it with books that are written. On average, books that are regarded to be thick books are about 500 to 700, 700 pages in size. All right? The 18,000 words that we use daily would translate into 54 printed pages of these thick books. That means in one year, you would fill 66 books of 800 pages each. So we use a lot of words because that's the way God has designed things. God used words. He made us after his image. So if we're after God's image, words matter to us. And when you read the Bible, you'll know this. This is another thing that struck me this morning. Before anything God, before God does anything in his word, he declares it ahead. 
anything. That's where even the prophets come in. That even before Jesus was born, God would send a prophet and say, this is what's going to happen. Because it's the words that make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, let's tell the truth. Some of you, yesterday you told them, Kia go kere Yeah, you are. That, 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 that's just the way. We, 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 our words become our destiny. It's the same in health. It's the same with finances. It's the same with your career. It's the same with accidents, protection. It's the same with the longevity of things in your life. It's the same. It's the same. I've had the privilege to buy cars, several cars, you know. And my first car was a Peugeot. You know about it, 206. No, the first new car. Before that, I bought several cars that were second-hand cars. At least they were better. The first one was really trouble. <laughs> but, but that Peugeot, all the cars we've bought by God's grace, I'm not boasting, not a single one has ever had an accident. I'm not talking about me bumping. I'm talking about somebody bumping me. Not a single one. You know why? Every time we go by them, I lay hands on them and I pray for them. And one of the declarations I made, I say, God, there should never be any accident that will happen. This car should not be stolen. Hey, we have a lot of unbelieving people here. Yeah, yeah. I can count the number of cars I've driven over the many years. Not a single one of them. Whenever I had to go to the banana pita once. Somebody said, Unelak. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, Agulon, you lock. But some of you, just when you get it, you say, Yeah, just when you buy it. Now, I'm not saying we won't go through challenges in spite of what we say, that, that will happen. But some of us have so empowered negativity in our lives. The words, we, we've spoken death to our lives, we've released poison, we've released curses on our children, on our property, on everywhere we go. Even when we speak with people, we are negative about people, negative about, we just surround ourselves with negativity and poison and curses. That's why the gossiping, I don't, I don't ever go there. Talking bad about people, don't go there. Talk good about people. Huh? Don't locate yourself among people who are always negative. I'm a totanga with Satan. Hey! I'm a fuzzy by a lawyer. Hey! You know, there are groups of people who congregate, men who congregate and say all women are evil. Simply because he was zing-zonged by one woman. Now all women are evil and say, you'll never find a good woman. They are never there. Well, you haven't looked hard enough. You haven't looked hard enough. Our ladies, girls, are my man. Yeah. You know, in the, in the name of being politically correct, they wanted all of us to say men are trash. I will never say that. I don't, I don't care what they, I will never say that. No. Men are not trash. I will never agree to that. Men are not trash. We've got issues, we've got problems, but we're not trash. I'm not going to release that. You call them trash, that's what they become. Yeah. So some of you ladies, you were disappointed by one man, now you are saying men are trash. Yeah, I don't think I'm trash. Do you think I'm trash? Do I look like trash? You, so you want me to say me, I'm trash? <laughs> I'm not going to sink to your political correctness. Never. Because I understand the power of words. Look at the devil and say, this sermon is difficult, but it's good. <laughs> Jesus says in Matthew 12, 37, by your words, you'll be condemned, and by your words, you will be justified. The Message Bible says, words can be your salvation and words can also be your damnation. 
You choose. You choose. Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. If you look after what you say and you are intentional about what you say, you keep yourself from trouble. The CJB says, whosoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. The Message Bible says, watch your words and hold your tongue. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever, 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 whatsoever he saith. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. I've, I've, I've made you to do this before, but I know some of you have forgotten because I've realized people forget what you preach, so you must keep reminding them, all right? Okay, Kikupa, hold both hands. Both hands. All right, on the, on, the, on the left, I want you to count, say. On the right, count, believe. Let's have that verse up in the King James Bible. Okay? Now, the first say, Jesus says, I'm saying to you, he's telling us, so don't count that one. Don't count that one. Okay? So, do this, okay? So, just get the fists going, fists like this. Yeah. So, say on the left, Believe on the right. Okay? All right? So keep your fingers, keep your hands like that, the fists, all right? Look at your neighbor who's not doing it, who's not. No, no pinky yet. So whosoever shall say, that say we don't count. Jesus says, whosoever shall, verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, you should be having one pinky up on the left. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. There are some of you, you are already confused. <laughs> but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Yeah, somebody already was three there. They showed you on the screen. <laughs> shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Yeah, look at your fingers, Basalan. Three saying, one believing. Three saying, one believing. Jesus says you have to say it three times more. Now, let me show you, let me show you, let me show you, let me show you. Many of you believe what the Bible says in your heart, but you won't say it. And you think, mamela, 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 mamela. And you think by believing, things will happen. Jesus says, hey, you got to say it three times more. Say it more. Say what you believe. Say it, say it, say it. Let me be honest, person. There are people who really believe that they are bad luck and they say it all the time. There are people who really believe banale bad luck and they say it all the time. They tell their friends, they tell their family, they tell their colleagues, they put it on WhatsApp, it's on their Facebook, they tweet about it. They say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, is the saying. Now instead of saying negativity, why don't you say what God says about you? Hmm? Are you there, Basala? Are you tired? Can you check your neighbor if your neighbor is tired? Are they tired? Do they want me to stop? Do you, must I close the service? Tell them if you are not tired, why are you not clapping and why are you not saying Amen. Now, I want to give you some examples, Basalina, as we move towards a conclusion. And maybe let me not read this story because of time, but read it at home. Trust me, I'll narrate the story and I'm going to narrate what's correct. This is found in 2 Kings chapter 4 from verse 8 to verse 36. Elisha came into a place called Shunem. And Shunem was a border city that was allocated to the tribe of Issachar. You find that in Joshua 19, verse 18. 
We are told that it was about five kilometers north of Jezreel, near Mount Gilboa. The place now is called Solem or Sulam. When Elijah came to this place and was ministering, because this woman had heard about him, she and her husband decided, because those days there were no hotels like now, no uh, bed and breakfasts like now, or lodges. When you traveled as a prophet, you'd be housed, you'd be taken into somebody's house, residence. When we, some of us started preaching, that's what used to happen. This woman was of great substance, she and her husband. They were very rich people. So they took Elisha to stay with them in their home whilst he was ministering and itinerating in his prophetic ministry in that area. But they didn't have a child. All right. And as a result of their hospitality, and you, you'll find all of this in 2 Kings 4, in verse 11, the prophet then spoke a blessing over them. And said to the woman, at this time next year, you'll be having a child. And so it did happen, like the prophet said. Unfortunately, the child later died. Prophet had left, was still in the area. And so the woman, the Shunammite woman, the woman from Shunam, they call her Shunammite woman, took this child and placed him on the bed of the man of God. And then she went out to her husband and said to her, look, I want to go see the man of God and I'll go with the servant. She didn't even tell the husband that the boy has died. <laughs> Accompanied by her servant, she settled a donkey, finally came to where Elisha was in Carmel. And so, when she goes to the man of God, look at verse 26, if you can have it up on the screen, please. In verse 26, run now, I pray thee, to meet her. So Elijah sends a servant to meet the woman. And say unto her, is it well with you? <laughs> is it all right? It was right. Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? <laughs> and she answered, it is well. Her response was a response of faith and not despair. She used her words as seeds. She sowed the right words in the face of sickness, death, and despair. Look at verse 36 and 37. As a result of the words that she spoke, and he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when he was come in unto him, he said, take up your son. The prophet found out that the guy boy has died. Next verse. And she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. Keep going. And Elijah came again to Gilgal, and there there was death in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him and said unto his servants, Set on the great pot and all of that. And I won't read the other verses. But finally, when you read the conclusion of the story, the boy was raised from the dead. Can I hear an amen, Bazana? Now, was this woman lying when she said all is well? <laughs> That's our dilemma, isn't it? That's our dilemma. See, this woman held on to the words of the prophet. When the prophet said, God's going to give you a child. God doesn't give you something to take you away from you. And, and you know what? We, we, we get in trouble because of the religious sayings that we like to say. That, yeah, God knew this child. It's a beautiful vessel. And you uh, so God came and took the child because it's a beautiful vessel. You can't eat from it. So God works in mysterious ways. And we just dig a hole for ourselves. God's not like that. God's not double-minded. God doesn't teach us through sickness and disease. God teaches us through his word and through the Holy Ghost. God is not schizophrenic. 
Blesses you this side, kills you this side. It's not like that. God is a good God. I said, God is a good God. I said, God is a good God. What about David? First Samuel chapter 17. I'll also relate the story. It really struck me as I was listening to the teaching and I read a little bit that David, before he killed Goliath, he made a declaration at least five times what he's going to do. Yeah. You remember the story of David and Goliath? Goliath, this mighty man, this mighty giant, who was threatening the people of God and all the soldiers had run away from him. David, in the face of that, sowed the seeds to face the obstacles. He didn't allow fear and intimidation to hold him back. Because if you stood next to Goliath, you would be intimidated. Let me tell you who Goliath was. Josephus writes about Goliath. He's a Bible historian who lived in the first century AD and confirms that Goliath was a giant. They said Goliath was a descendant of the Nephilim. The Nephilim were the offspring of the sons of God and human wives. There's a time in olden days where the angelic beings cohabited and had sex with human wives, if I can put it that way. And you know, in God's way, you don't mix seeds. You can't mix the seeds of animals with human. You'll find a ho-ho there. In God's way, you don't. That's the way God created. As a result of this illegal cohabitation, giants were born. People born of the Nephilim were giants. Goliath as well was a descendant of the Nephilim. And we are told that he was almost two meters tall. Those days, the average Hebrew male was 1.67 meters tall. That was the average. If you were tall, you were 1.67. Now imagine a guy who's two meters tall. The only person who could have matched Goliath is someone that we read about. Goliath, not only was he tall, he was a trained warrior. He would wear armor to the battlefield. This is what we learned. He used to wear what we call greaves, shin guards on his legs. He had a helmet made of bronze. It weighed 13.6 kilograms. He had a shield made of bronze. He also had a breastplate made of bronze and it weighed 68 kilograms. He carried a sword or a spear which weighed about 13.6 kilograms. This guy was a tanker on two feet. No wonder everybody ran away. So I need to state categorically that no one could bring this guy down. No one could stand against him. But David, in the face of Goliath, in the same way, you, when you are facing your Goliath, when you are facing your mountain, when you are facing your difficulty, when the doctors tell you, you have a few days to live, when society tells you, your children will never come right, when everything around you tells you it will never come right, you stand before your Goliath. And you made a declaration. Let me show you. In 1 Samuel 23, verse 32, it says, Then David said to Saul, Let no man fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. He's declaring. Verse 37, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the power of the lion and from the power of the bear, he will deliver me from the hands of this Philistine. Verse 47, And David said, Did you see the word said, 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 said? Do you see the word said? And David said, I love it. When he stood before Goliath, he says, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, this day will the Lord deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give your carcasses to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there's a God is Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and the spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Somebody give the Lord a shout in the south. Stand 
before the Goliath and declare the goodness of God. Stand before your Goliath and declare who God is in your life. Stand before your Goliath even when everybody is running away from Goliath because God is on your side. Tell Goliath, no weapon formed against me will prosper. No tongue will prosper. Hallelujah. See, God uses words to change a state of confusion. It's amazing that when God, we read about God in Genesis and we find this world in a state that the Hebrew calls tohu vabahu. The word tohu means waste, desolation, desert. That word means worthless thing. Vain, confusion, empty place, without form, nothing, vanity, wilderness. Oh, God looks at an earth that's like waste, desolation, desert. Maybe some of you, when you look at certain things in your life, that's all you see. Waste, desert, desolation. Things are so broken. Things are so out of order. Things are so bad. It seems like nothing will ever come right. And the greatest temptation is to stand there and look at the Tov Abahu and tell people how difficult things are. And the word Bahu also means something that is an undistinguishable ruin. Emptiness, void, when things have gone beyond repair. And the Bible says, even in this state, the Spirit of the Lord was sitting, hovering on the face of the deep. But watch, the Spirit of God, who is creative power, did not create anything before words were spoken. In the same way that the Spirit of God is sitting on your situation, is sitting at things on your life, is sitting in everything that is tovabahu, he's just waiting for somebody. And when God came on the scene, and he saw the Tovabahu and saw the Holy Spirit waiting for action, wanting to get into creative mode. And so the Bible says, and God said, let there be light. Bam! And there was light. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and in the space of six days, God has changed the Tovabahu. In the same way, the Tovabahu in your life will be changed when you say something. Yeah. Speak to your Tovabahu instead of speaking about your Tovabahu. Many of us, we tell everybody how bad things are. We tell everybody about the mountain that's before us. Jesus says, I speak to the mountain, not about the mountain. He didn't say the mountain is not there, but he says your words will take the mountain and throw it into the sea. Mountains will be there. Tovabahu will be there. We will go through difficult times, but speak to it. Can I hear an amen? amen? Can I hear an amen? amen. Let me close, Basalan. Here are the declarations that we must make. And I gave you this list. I'm sure some of you have forgotten it. But this list, when I used to be at school, and those years actually, no, when I used to go preach at universities, you know, the students as they came to come and give items, some would sing, some would give a poem, but another one will come and say, today, Bazalana, I want to give you my never again list. And I used to think, what is the never again? And then I realized, what they did was to go into God's word and find what God says about us. And take what God says and say, I'm going to say what God says about me and never again will I say the opposite of what God says. And we will post this never again list on our website in case you're not able to write it quickly. Don't try to write it. But these are the things that you must declare. It goes with scriptures. Never again will I confess or focus on I can't. Because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Never again will I confess or focus on fear. Because 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. 
Never again will I focus on doubt or lack of faith. Because Romans 12, 2 says, God has dealt to every person the measure of faith. Never again will I confess or focus on weakness. Because the word of the Lord in Psalms 27, verse 1 says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Daniel 11.32 says that people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great. Do we have any strong people in this house? Yeah. Never again will I confess or focus on the supremacy of Satan over my life because the word of the Lord in 1 John 4.4 4 says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Never again will I confess or focus on defeat because the word of God says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, God always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Never again will I confess or focus on lack of wisdom because the word of God in 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Christ Jesus has become unto me wisdom from God. You know how I've used that scripture? When I'm making decisions for the church. You know when you have to make these major decisions and one decision can ruin everything. And I say, God, instead of speaking fear, I will speak faith. Christ has been made unto me wisdom. I thank you for the wisdom of God. Can I hear an amen, Bazarana? James 1.5 says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask from God who gives generally, generously to every man. Never again will I confess on sickness because the word of the Lord in Isaiah 53.5 says, with his stripes I'm healed. In Matthew 8.17 says, himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. Never again will I confess or focus on bondage because the word of the Lord says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I will leave out the scriptures for the sake of time. You'll find it. The word of the Lord says, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Never again will I confess or focus on worries and frustrations because the word of the Lord said I must cast all my cares upon him who cares for me. Never again will I confess or focus on condemnation because the word of the Lord says there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. I am in Christ Jesus, therefore I am free of condemnation. Never again will I confess or focus on loneliness because the word of the Lord says I am with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Never again will I I confess or focus on curses or bad luck or senyama because the Bible says Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law being made a curse for me. Never again will I focus on being discontented because the word of the Lord says I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Never again will I focus on unworthiness because the word of the Lord says he made him who knew no sin to be sin for me that I should be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Never again will I confess or focus on confusion because the word of the Lord said God is not the author of confusion. The word of the Lord says we have not received the spirit of the world but the spirit that comes from God that we might know the things that are freely given unto us. Never again will I confess or focus on persecution because the Bible says if God be for us who can be against us? Never again will I confess or focus on the dominion of sin over my life because the Bible says the law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. Never again will I confess or focus on insecurity because the word of the Lord says when you lie down you will not be afraid. Yes you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes for the Lord will be your confidence and I will keep your feet from being caught. Never again will I confess or focus on failure because the word of the Lord said in all these things we are more than conquerors through the one who loved us. Never again will I confess or focus on frustration because the word of the Lord said you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind and he stayed on you because he trusts in you. Never again will I focus on fear of the future because the word of the Lord says as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the good things that God has prepared for those that love him and God has revealed them to them by his spirit. Never again will I confess and focus on troubles because Jesus says in this world you will have many troubles but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Oh. Imagine. Imagine saying that over your life every day. Like I did 1982. Every day. I, I would always close out my prayer by saying these things over my life. And you know what will happen? When a situation comes up, the Holy Spirit who has been waiting goes into creative mode. And you avoid what gets out other people. Your life moves on when their life is moving back. And they think it's luck. I say, no, it's not luck. It is the declaration of my mouth. I will live and not die. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
That's why even when we get saved, the Bible says, if you will believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross and you receive him and you'll confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Some of you, you've gone to church many times and never received Christ in your life. It's not about good feelings. It's about believing and saying with your mouth and receiving him in your life. And right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do right that all over, even those who are watching. Bow your heads as we pray. Bow your heads as we pray. If you're here today and Christ is not the savior of your life and you want to invite him to be the savior and the Lord of your life, I want to pray for you. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. It's not about going to church regularly. It's not about being a good moral person. It's about believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. Believe what? Believe Jesus died for you. Believe he was raised from the dead. Believe that he forgave your sin. Say what with your mouth? Say with your mouth that Jesus from today you're the Lord of my life. You'll be saved. It's that easy. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you're here and your life is not right before God, but you want to make things right with God, you want Jesus to come into your life, make you a child of God and you need prayer. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. That is you. Would you raise your hand, please? I want to pray for you right where you are. Just raise it high. Let's see it. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Just raise one hand. It's okay. Just one hand is good. Thank you for those hands. Raise it high. Let me see it. There's several of you. That's right. This is what it's about. That's how easy it is. Even when God has moved on you, even when the Spirit of God has moved on you, it never becomes a reality until you say something. It never does. May I ask all the people who raise their hands, would you please, right where you are, can you stand on your feet, please? Just stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. You can put your hands down. Just stand on your feet. Just stand on your feet. Thank you so much. All over the place. This is what this is about. It's about Jesus Christ changing our lives. Making our lives new. Brand new. I want to ask those of you who are standing. I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to come from where you are standing. Take all your belongings, please. Your Bible, your bag, your purse, whatever you have with you. Take your belongings to have them safe. And just walk to the front so that we can pray together. Come now. Give them a big hand as they walk. Come on. Say this with me today. I make a declaration that I'm everything that God says I am. My Heavenly Father, forgive me if I've had a disobedient mouth. Wherever I released negative words that have brought a curse over my life. In the name of Jesus. Through this prayer. I reverse. Those words. In Jesus name. Where I have sown. Negative seeds. That are germinating. To bring about my downfall. I pray now. For a crop failure. Of the negative seed. In Jesus name. From today. I will watch what I say. I will take heed. Of the words of my mouth. And I'll continue. To declare. The goodness of God. Because you are worthy of it. Now right now God. As I hold the hand. Of this your child, I declare God's best, God's blessing, God's prosperity upon their life. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord make his face shine towards you. The Lord give you peace and prosperity. May God cause you to succeed 
in all that he has assigned you to do. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Begin to pray for them in the Holy Ghost right now, please. Pray for them in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord.